Hello, and welcome to A View from the Perch, a podcast covering important financial topics from the perspective of a financial advisor and an experienced certified financial planner. Each week, we give a brief market update, discuss current economic events, analyze and debate highlighted stocks, and provide education on a financial subject. Now, here are your hosts, Bill Parrott and Spencer Engelkev. New week, same question. How are the markets? Well, we're three for four this week. Uh, large cap stocks up 1.27%. Small cap stocks up 0.8%. International, 07 But bonds are down 2.23%. Really? Rates uh, are rising not on the data that we've seen lately that shows inflation coming down, but they're rising because of Washington, D.C. and the political football over the debt ceiling, which they've raised 100% of the time. And everybody knows they're going to raise it, but when? Mm. And so bonds are selling off a little bit, interest rates are rising. So they're selling off just because... They don't. They think there's going to be a default. Is that really like their major fear? Uh, fear fear yeah. of of yeah. default. Yeah. So if you are in the camp that there's not going to be a default, which there's not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we the government prints their own money, yes. so it's impossible to default. Uh, there could be a delay on raising the debt ceiling, but that's not a default. Yeah. So I think you should buy bonds in here because. Yeah. If they raise the debt ceiling, and they will, then bonds are going to rally. Yeah, and we talked about a possible pause in rate hikes for the foreseeable future. So bonds seem like a nice alternative, especially with this kind of ex- external factor causing a downtrend in bonds. You might be able to pick it up for a pretty good price Yeah, because that's going to get solved. I did have a question. So we saw inflation cool yesterday with 4.9 instead of the 5% that was expected. However the markets were mixed with the S&P and the NASDAQ being up. However, the Dow was the Dow was down. Is that just due to corporate earnings or is there something really going on? Well, who knows? Day to day. You know, uh, people said wait till inflation gets below 5% yeah. then things would be good. And then, like you said, we had a mixed market. But 5% is still pretty high. So sure. I think a lot of people are like, well... Maybe that's not as good news as we originally mm-hmm. thought. And if it stays elevated for a while and the the Federal Reserve uh, media outlets yeah. uh, are still saying, hey, we're we never said we're going to pause. We never mm-hmm. said we're going to slow down. So I think a lot of people are not really sure what the Fed's going to do, which I don't know if they know what they're going to do. But I think. Elevated at 5%. And, you know, we've had hit or miss on our earnings report. You know, Disney's getting hammered today because they missed. Um, So, and we're in the thick of earnings season. So it's kind of hit or miss day to day. Yeah. that's And that's really what I was anticipating in this kind of market cycle with these earnings that are supposed to be robust, but it seems they're a little bit more mixed than anticipated. It seems like the first time in a while we're talking actually about businesses instead of the government regulation, which is encouraging. But (laughs) it seems like a more normalcy where some companies have been producing extremely well and then some companies 
miss um, a little bit, which causes a downturn. But hopefully, I'm yeah. not. It's not as volatile as last year, which would be ideal. I feel like I felt like every company that missed last year was just killed, which yeah. just seemed not really the correct move. Well, I think it, it goes back to what we talked about before: is you, you buy the rumor, sell the news. Mm-hmm. So the news is out, like okay, sell off, and then they'll focus on the next issue, whatever that is. <laughs> so it uh, it doesn't take long for something to get in the rearview yeah. mirror, and then people say, okay, what, what's next? Yeah. That makes sense. That's kind of where we are right now. Instant gratification kind of thing. Uh, I did want to point out that we actually had a meeting, not a meeting, but a presentation from the Federal Reserve in in Dallas. He came up and talked to our FBA association. And he said the big thing was if the Fed doesn't get to 2% inflation quickly, then their credibility is really at jeopardy. So that's Mm. where he was really focused on. And it was like, Okay, we see inflation cooling, and it's probably going to be hopefully around three percent in the next two years. But he says, if we just allow it to be at three percent, then that bar gets kind of raised, and like people start saying, "Oh, well, the Fed isn't really serious about two percent. Three percent is fine," which then lends to them not being credible, which is what we saw in the seventies. Really, nobody had any faith in the uh, Federal Reserve, and nobody really had any credit in them. And that's what he said really caused the disruption that we saw during that time period. So, but like any good Fed, he wouldn't say or or pause, but it's just that question. We could probably see a still fairly hawkish Fed because 4.9 is not 2%. And that's really been their goal. And I don't think they're going to waver from that at all. Nope. And, uh, but they're not. Either they're not giving it time to to do anything. Yeah. They just keep raise, 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 and not seeing the ramifications. You know, I would like to see them raise, pause, raise, pause. You know, take like a month or two off. What is it doing? And not raise every meeting because you know it's again it's like planting a tree and ripping it out every day to see if the roots are growing. You you got to give it time to take hold. And if you look at what's happening in the banks sector, the bank sector and uh, damage is being done. So just give it time to do. And there's a lot of layoffs, too. So just give it time to to see what the impact is. Yeah. Let it ride. It was interesting, though. He predicted there was not going to be a recession 23 nor 24. Ooh. And globalization is actually on a huge uptrend. Uh, and then manufacturing as well is on a significant uptrend as well, which I thought was very interesting but which is why we allocate money to international investments which are doing very well this year (laughs) yeah and it's just it's intriguing because everybody else is raising rates as well so we'll see in this environment i think there's a raise today by somebody some country i didn't i'm sure i feel like there's one every (laughs) every week um i saw it in passing um we'll come back we'll, we'll get back to that question perfect yeah so not really in a holding pattern anymore, just really in a more normalcy where we're waiting on news from companies and earnings, which will be an interesting season, which I'm excited for. And then historically, June and July, the markets are a little bit more benign because people are taking some time off. So hopefully we get a much needed reprieve from the craziness of these markets. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Um, and while we're looking up that kind of rate hike, let's uh, transition to our empowering education and we're talking about estate planning today, and 
The big thing that we want to come get across is that estate planning is not just for the ultra wealthy. You need to make sure you have your estate in order, regardless of kind of your income level. So as we get started, it's just going to be a kind of high level overview of some things to make sure you have in mind when it comes to estate planning. But let's get back to really the core of it. So what is estate planning? Well, you everybody has an estate. You what you own, yeah. what you owe. Your house, your car, golf clubs, whatever you own, that that's your estate. And you either have a large estate or a small estate. And uh, when you pass away, you have to pass on the estate to somebody, your spouse, your children, nieces, nephews. Uh, and you may or may not owe an estate tax on that, but everybody has an estate. It's just whatever you own. Yeah. Uh, whatever in your name, whatever is kind of under your watch is, yeah. is your estate. Yeah. And so estate planning is just planning what you're going to do with what, what you leave behind. It's simple as that. <laughs> what, what's the money for? Yeah. Like what, you have this resource or resources mm -hmm. and what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Are you going to give it away while you're alive? Mm -hmm. Are you going to donate money to charity? Are you going to leave it to your children? Are you going to leave it to your school, your church, a nonprofit? Uh, or are you just going to die and let somebody else figure it out? Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because if you don't do any state planning, we have the, the boogeyman probate that everybody talks about. So let's, let's really get into. Yeah. Cause if you, if you, do, if you don't do any state planning, the government's going to do it for you. Yes. And do you want to leave your estate in the hands of the federal government? <laughs> that you've been trying to uh, avoid for all, avoid these. for all these years. So let's get into that misconception about estate planning is only for the ultra wealthy, ultra affluent. What are some things that every single person needs for their estate, and especially in their estate planning uh, sector? That's, that's a great question. Uh, at a minimum, you need a will. Mm -hmm. So a will will tell the state, the government, your beneficiaries, what you want to do with your final wishes, your estate, and so on. So if you have a car, who gets the car? If you have a house, who gets the house? And so on and so forth. Now, most things could or should pass by beneficiary. Yeah. Uh, like if you have an IRA account or if you're married, it goes to your spouse automatically and so on. But even if you don't have a large estate or even if you don't think you have an estate at all, you need a will for a couple of reasons. Um, one is healthcare directives. So if you are incapacitated, you're in the emergency room and there's no healthcare directives, then who can make decisions on your behalf? Uh, there's been a lot of cases about this between uh, parents and spouses and who gets control over the child and, and, and the, or the individual. But you need those uh, to, to take care of health care so if you get incapacitated. If you have young children, you definitely need a will because if something happens to the parents, you need to spell out who is going to raise the children. So you may have, let's say you're recently married you have a couple kids and you haven't talked about who's going to take care of the kids and the parents pass away. Well, then now you have parents and in-laws, oh, yeah. sisters, brothers said, hey, you know, 
Johnny said I would take care of the kids. Well, Susie said I would take care of the kids. It's it's a battle. So put it in writing, put it in the will. Say if something happens to us, Aunt Jeannie's gonna raise the kids. Yeah. Is it difficult to create a will or is it fairly simple? Super easy. Okay. You could even write it on a yellow pad, <laughs> uh, like Howard Hughes did. Yeah. One of the richest men in the world at the time. And they're I think they're still battling the state. I don't know. But uh no, you can go to some companies like LegalZoom. You can go to Trust and Will. You can contact your local attorney. No, Will is super easy to set up, and it doesn't take a lot. And most of them are, uh, you know, plug and play. Do you own a home? Yes or no. Do you own a car? Yes or no. Who's going to get your money? So on and so forth. So no, super easy to set up. And I know you've kind of coined this term, your your love letter that yeah. you've talked about a lot. Can you kind of give the listeners an insight of what that is? Yeah, it's not an official estate planning document, mm-hmm. but you just put a letter in one of your files and maybe you have a file that's bright red that said my estate so that people could find it easily. Yeah. But it's just a letter to your spouse, your children, parents, whomever saying, hey, I'm dead. Yep. Here's what I own. Here's who to contact. Here's where everything is. Here's where my passwords are. Uh, good luck, you know, and, uh, but it, it's, it just gives them, uh, a picture of what you want and then they could access your yeah. legal documents, wills, trusts, things like that in your accounts. But it's just, you know, letter, a love letter to your spouse or your children or your parents and Hey, you know, thank you. I'm gone. Here's yeah. where everything is. And, um, yeah, I think contact these people. that's one of the, the passwords I think is going to be a continually, Huge more important thing because we really haven't talked about electronic properties in estate planning. I'm sure it's going to no. kind of morph into those things, but can you imagine how many passwords I can, how many passwords I have in yeah. all different sites and having to try to my wife access those. I can just imagine the hours of draining saying, getting on the phone. So yeah, I think that's a really, you could live forever on Facebook. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And I, I don't think anybody would care. I know probably Zuckerberg would appreciate it lose his numbers but yeah i think that's a an important thing so we have the will we have the love letter mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about insurance and life insurance when it comes mm-hmm. to having a state uh planning aspects of it so when are when is it necessary who do you think is kind of qual not qualified but is a suitable candidate for life insurance when it comes to estate planning uh most everybody especially if you have a mortgage mm-hmm. or you have children, you need life insurance. Um, but on the other side, if your state's super large, yeah. so right now the government lets you exempt uh, per person um, $12.9 million per person. per person. So let's just round it to 13 million. So if your estate is, uh, and you're married, north of, uh, what would that be? $26 million you need life insurance to pay the estate tax because anything above that $26 million is going to be taxed at 40%. Yeah. Wait, say that again? <laughs> tax at 40%. 40%. Okay. <laughs> and so if um, you don't have insurance to pay the estate tax, then you've got to write a check for whatever that amount is. Yep. So so let's say, let's, for example, let's say a married couple today is worth $10 million. Okay. So right now they're below the threshold of the estate tax and one spouse passes away. 
So that $10 million goes to the surviving spouse. And let's say that uh, the estate doubles. Yeah. No estate, you know, they didn't do anything while the the, the, the surviving spouse was alive or the, the deceased spouse was alive. So now the estate's worth $20 million. And let's say the surviving spouse now passes away. $20 million goes to the children. No estate planning. Uh, that estate is above the $12.9 million threshold. They owe 40% on the difference. So they have to write a check to the government for $2.8 million. So they can insure it by insurance to cover it. Or they could do things today. They could set up a trust. Okay. Uh, what you know, A lot of people call it the AB trust, revocable and an irrevocable component to protect the exemption of the deceased spouse. So a lot of people think, oh, I'm below 12.9 million. It's it's not going to matter. But gosh, you know, if if you are, let's just say living in, I don't know, $5 million home and got a couple million dollars in your 401k, a couple million dollars. And also what a lot of people don't realize is life insurance is added back to your estate. So let's say you have a $10 million life insurance policy to take care of whatever and you pass away. Well, that that policy goes into your estate. So now you've just added $10 million, which could put you above the threshold and paying 40% tax. So one strategy is to set up a life insurance trust, which puts the insurance outside of your estate, but does the same thing. So so right now it's 12.9 million. Uh, In 2025, it's supposed to sunset and go back to then would have been 5 million. Um, most people think it'll probably settle in around 6.8 million yeah. when they do inflation uh, adjustments to it. So in 2026, it's going to basically be chopped in half. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting there like, oh, my estate's only worth 10 million, I don't need to worry about it. Now it goes down to 6 million or seven or five or whatever that number is. Now you're above the threshold and you've got an estate problem. Yes. Uh, let's kind of talk about trust in a little bit more depth. Why why are trusts such a good vehicle for this estate exemption and making sure you retain it? Well, it keeps you out of probate for one. Okay. And two, you could set up uh, an irrevocable component to your estate, preserving the estate exemption of one of the spouses. Mm-hmm. So that way, if you have this AB trust and a spouse passes away, those assets are transferred to the irrevocable trust, which retains the estate exemption. So now, even though a spouse has died, you can keep those uh, exemptions alive. And then with trust, you could, gosh, life insurance trust, you could set up generation skipping trust. It can go on and on and on and on. It just, it's... uh, a will on steroids yeah. is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and revocable versus irrevocable. As soon as you say irrevocable, that's that's not going to be – you can't amend it and say, now I want that money back. Now that is now gone. That's out of your estate. And that's kind of how they're able to say it's not part of the estate anymore. Because yeah. technically, once you pass, that is – Gone. It's gone. It's gone. And so you have to direct how it's going to be given. And so that's really what the avenues of trust are so important for is because – you're giving all that money away, but now that's outside your estate, so yeah. you don't get the other state tax. Okay. 
Perfect. Um, so we have the trust, we have the extended exemption. Uh, we talked about the sunset rule. We talked about life insurance. We talked about wills. Um, yeah, I think that gives us a good, really high level overview of some mm-hmm. really key things to keep in mind. Is there anything else you can think about? A, a couple of things. Uh, when the estate tax exemption sunsets in 2025, the gift tax goes to 45%. Oh, wow. So 5% jump. But you can, as an individual today, uh, give away $17,000 per person per year, anybody you want. Mm -hmm. So if you are on the cusp of that estate uh, tax exemption, give money away, you know, and and donate it to others. Also, um, there's not, I mean, there are strategies to lower the estate, but charity is one of the biggest things, giving, giving it away. Um, put in an irrevocable trust, uh, a donor advised fund, something just getting out of your state. You know, a lot of people will say, I'll, you know, I'll give it away when I'm dead. But, you know, I think that misses the point mm-hmm. of helping others today, being generous today, seeing the joys of giving today. Yeah. So you can lower your estate, get a tax deduction and help others, yeah. which I think is a big win. Um, so that, that's something that I, I, a lot of people don't utilize is, is the giving component because they think they have to hold on to every red nickel that they have. But I think giving it away is a smart mm. strategy that benefits many people. Also, um, one thing that's kind of interesting is, is I think, uh, a lot of people say, well, where's the estate tax going to settle out? And I jokingly, half jokingly say, well, find out the average net worth of a senator. Yep. <laughs> That's probably where the estate exemption is going to be. But also, um, and I don't think it's going to sunset. No. Well, I shouldn't say it. depends who's in office. But I, True. I, I don't think it will sunset. Since 2011, the estate tax has increased at, at an average rate of 8.2% per year. Wow. So... Basically, in another, what, 10 or 12 years, it could double. So instead of $13 million, say it could be $26 million per person. So you're sitting on a $52 million state, uh, which I think could happen over time. Because a lot of people think the estate taxes for the rich only, right? Or the exemptions for the rich only. But if you have farmland... That you've had for generations and they lower the seat, you may be forced to sell the family farm. And they might not be rich, they're just sitting on a lot of land. And I think that's potentially a huge problem. Also, you know, uh, business owners that have owned companies for generations, um, time has allowed their assets to increase. And now the government might come in and say, Yeah, you still owe us a lot of money. And if you have an an illiquid asset, you know, you need insurance or you need to sell it and hopefully you get a fair price for it. But yeah, estate tax and estate planning is is for everybody, regardless of age, regardless of assets, regardless of income, because you want your, your final wishes to be honored. Yes. And uh, according to your terms. Mm-hmm. So get that will done. Get the well done. At bare minimum, get the well done. At a I bare minimum. At a love bare that. minimum. Yeah. Well, that, we appreciate that. We we really just wanted to talk about the misconception where, oh, I'm not 
worth 20 million why would i need to do estate planning it's important for everybody because and actually the estate tax starts down if your estate's uh at ten thousand dollars you you could owe an estate tax in the range of uh 18 percent so if you are worth more than 10 grand you have an estate exactly (laughs) and i anybody that's gone through the process of probate knows just how painful it is how I mean, like you always say, money changes people. It really does. And you don't want to have bloodshed with your family and friends if you can avoid that. Well, think about some of our clients. Their kids may inherit tens of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. What, what's that going to do? You know, and, uh, you know, just two quick stories. Uh, I had a client years ago when I was in California and he set up a trust and I'm looking at his statements and everything was titled joint tenant. And I said, well, I thought you opened a trust. He's like, yeah, it's right here. You know, here's the document. So you have to move <laughs> the assets into a trust. So yeah. just because you went and saw an attorney and you have the trust document, you need to change the title yep. on your assets, your brokerage accounts, your home, maybe your cars. Uh, so that that's the second part of the process is that you have to do it. And another client, Actually, the same client, um, it took years to settle his estate. Wow. Years. um, Because he had a lot of moving parts. And um, once you start, and if you are the executor or the executrix of an estate, you you have to be a little bit of uh, a sleuth. You know, you you have to... um, really do your homework because stuff starts coming in the mail yeah. or electronically yeah. and like, Oh, here's one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And it, it takes a while to clear everything out. It's draining as well. So extremely draining. Yeah. Well, appreciate your insight as always, Bill. And now we're going to transition over to our intriguing issue. And Robin hood has been Ooh. in the news. A lot of people, it's actually getting a bump because of their, um, user subscriber and also kind of their growth on that. But the reason I want to talk about them is because they're introducing 24 hour trading for certain ETFs and stocks Monday through Friday. Can you work at three in the morning? I cannot. <laughs> but uh, the reason why I think this is intriguing is there there are some other E-trades and things of that nature that have now late night or what we call owl investors. Yeah. And so this is really the first one that I think is going to be 24 hours of just, it's not considered after hours. It's just like, this is just our system now. Yeah. And the big thing I'm thinking about when it comes to Robin hood is when you had the meme stocks, when you had this crazed Reddit crowd, majority of them came from the Robin hoods and then the gamification of stock market and trading. So that's concerning to me, but also I just think in the grand scheme of things, is this going to be like the first domino when we look back 20 years from now that's saying, why do we even have market hours? Yes. You know, is this really going to start the tidal wave of 20? We can get 24 hours pretty much in any other service yep. component. Is this archaic 9.30 to 4 Eastern time market opening closed? Is this era having the door shut on them? Yeah, so after you get done playing Call of Duty, you can go (laughs) buy uh, shares of Activision uh, at all hours of the day. 
So as you mentioned, we, we've had uh, after hours trading yeah. for a long time. I mean, probably going back to the mid nineties. Um, and it's a little bit of the wild west because it's only on certain stocks. Yeah. And you gotta be careful trading because the bid ask spread is wide. The market changes dramatically after hours. And so if you are going to trade after hours or 24 hours, use a limit order. What that means is, let's say um, Microsoft's trading at $310 a share. If you want to buy it, put a limit at $310 a share. Do not put a market order in because you can get it at $315, $305, which would be good. But um, use limit orders. But I, I heard a little bit of the the CEO talk, and yeah. it and it made a lot of sense in the fact that he was saying that our trading hours today are over forty years old, going yeah. back to the early eighties. Nothing's changed, but like you mentioned, everything's twenty four seven right now. And why do we need trading hours? And I think it's going to come to that. Mm -hmm. If you watch CNBC, they're on the trading floor, and you look behind the desk. There are no traders. There's no there. <laughs> On occasion, you'll see some people walk by, but and those are tourists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So most exchanges uh, are electronic nowadays. Like when we put in an order in for a client, it never even makes it to the floor. No. It, it searches for the best order globally, and boom, it's gone. So it's rare that our order is going to go to the exchange. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think 24 hour trading is coming and um, why not? I mean, if news comes out after hours, why, why can't you act on it? Why can't you just let the market control it um, and see what happens? It, it'll take some getting used yeah. to. Like I certainly don't want to call it midnight. Hey, <laughs> can you buy me a thousand shares of Microsoft? Uh, but the other thing too on that, um, is it goes back to the Federal Reserve controlling the Fed rate. I think they should let the economy and the market forces take that over too. So yeah, it'll be intriguing with the overnight rate for the Fed fund. Um, yeah, if everything's 24 seven. And then you could, you know, in a way I, I kind of like it mm -hmm. because, you know, what if something happens in Europe yeah. or Asia? Like, oh, I got to wait till 930 New York time to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And I could only trade till four. Yeah. Which I don't know. It just it has never made sense to me. I mean, I've been in this business a year and a half to two years. And every, as soon as I walked in, I was like, what? what? <laughs> like, why are we doing it this way? And I, yeah, I just, I don't see there's a way that, or there's not a way that it's 24, especially with the globalization, like you talked about. Things are going on, and then the, the Federal Reserve person that presented to us is saying Africa is now becoming the most populated continent by a wide margin. They're just their population growth is really the only one that is abnormally growing. And so it's this idea that we're all connected with a snap of the fingers. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to the the midday and the craziness that happens in a different continent could be at 3 a.m. And so can you imagine? If Amazon was only open from 9.30 oh, to 4. Gosh, they wouldn't be in business. Um, like if you logged in at 10 at night, I want to buy whatever. Like I bought a component for my weed whacker, right? Yeah. And it was like at 10 at night. But if I had logged in Amazon, sorry, come back tomorrow morning, I would have been very frustrated. Yeah. And I'm like, 
what's the purpose yeah. of that? You know, when I started, I started in California. And so the market was open 6.30 to 1. Mm. So super early hours, but at 1 o'clock, we were done, do whatever. When I moved to Connecticut, it didn't open until 9.30. And I thought, what are you doing for like three hours? <laughs> I mean, it was such a waste of time. Yeah. I mean, you can obviously work and do other things, but I'm like, why why not open it earlier? So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in favor of 24 hour trading. I am too. I just, I really hope that when the history books are written, it's not Robin Hood started this movement because oh, that would make me very frustrated. Well, Robin Hood continues to steal from the rich and give to the poor. Um, yeah, steal I'll, from the rich, steal from the poor and give to themselves. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, it's interesting uh, with Robin Hood, they make most of their money from, from option traders. And, the craziest thing is if you have a certificate or licensing, you're not allowed to options trade on Robinhood. So really? if, yeah, if you're a licensed professional, you're not allowed to do options trading, which Get is why how they make all their money. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, which, so it's like driving a car. You don't need a license. Go ahead. Yeah. You can figure it out. Yeah. It's like all these race car drivers. It's like, oh. If you have a license, no, you can't drive this race can't car. Drive. But if you're if you don't have a license, yeah, please go 300 miles on this track. Yeah. Like, it's just you don't want me behind the, an F1 car exactly. for sure. Okay, yeah. Well, what's your intriguing issue? Well, I'm still intrigued with AI. You know, okay. uh, Google came out with their splash a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, they're dead. They're gonna be left behind." And now they've been resurrected yeah. uh, in the last couple of days. They've had a pretty good roadshow on AI. Um, so this battle of AI between Google and Microsoft is going to be pretty interesting mm -hmm. as time goes on. And um, we're probably just, well, I know we are. We're just scratching the surface of oh, AI. Yeah. And, um, and news is happening so fast that like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Google sold off below $100 per share. Now it's at whatever, $115. Yeah. And like, oh, maybe they're not dead. And, and here we go. So AI is going to continue to not only change the game for companies, but for investors as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we talked a little bit about last week, Chegg got hammered. Yep. Uh, what was it now? 50% or something like that. Uh, and so you have to think about it, not only on one hand changing society, which it is, but how will it impact your portfolio? Yeah. You know, because it's, and it's, and it's changing so fast that you could wait a couple of days and it reverses course because they figured it out exactly. and here we go. So, but right now the two behemoths, Google and Microsoft are, uh, you know, duking it out pretty good in the AI realm. Yeah. And people thought Microsoft was going to crush Google and Bing was going to be the new Google. That definitely is never going to happen. And yeah, it, Google's well, Google figured out. They yeah, have some smart people. Yeah, and year to date, Google's outperforming Microsoft, which yeah, I like I, I like what caught me off guard a little bit. So AI incorporated with Robinhood, you don't even have to do anything. You can just tell your you could program your AI dude, hey, trade for me yep. on Robinhood twenty four seven and send me a check every month. So. The robo advisor, watch out. We're done. Yeah, but it was funny because Chat GPT is it now. Remember how you asked like it for, to predict future events? You said the market was going to crash. Now it is now. Yeah. Well, it's got a lot of backlash because as soon as you ask for future events with Chat GPT, now it says 
oh, I can't do anything future-wise. I yeah. must do anything 2001 and, and behind. So it's like this idea that Google had a couple blunders that makes it think that they can't have AI, but mm. then Microsoft has ChatGPT have this idea that completely changed their functionality, but doesn't get ever talked about at all. It's just, it just goes back to show that these two companies are not that far spread when it comes to AI. No. Perfect. Well, what do you want to leave our listeners with, Bill? Oh, man. That's a good question. I will say if you do not have a will, mm-hmm. get one. It's easy to do. You do not want to leave your loved ones without instructions. Even though you'll be in heaven, enjoying eternal life, your family would be struggling if you don't have a will. So get a will. Super easy. Great. Well, thank you so much for your expertise and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website, parrotwealth.com, where you can learn more about everything we have to offer at Parrot Wealth Management. That's our view from the perch. See y'all next week.